Hello, welcome to episode one of Raw Stories, the podcast where I tell you stories which may or may not quite be ready yet. My name is Caroline Hardman, and this week's story is called The Retirement Home. It was autumn the last time I came. The wind was fresh, the temperature just above freezing. A blue sky day among a sea of November grey. I remember the sky because I'd looked at it carefully. That's what my therapist tells me to do, look at things carefully, notice them. So, as I walked to the bus stop that day, I'd notice the sky, and I'd try to focus on the other things I could see and feel. I listened to the bird song above me and the crunch of the leaves beneath my feet. I amused myself by naming their colours, waterlogged red, soggy orange, curdled yellow. Whenever I found my thoughts wandering, I stopped, took a deep breath and concentrated on the colours again until I was, to use a phrase my therapist likes, back in the moment. Staying in the moment, when I can manage it, definitely helps. That was a couple of weeks ago now. I try and come when I can. It must be almost a year since I brought her here. It was never supposed to be a permanent arrangement. I hadn't thought of a care home as an option before then. I don't even think I knew that places like this existed until the brochure came through my mailbox. But it seems to work better for both of us this way. She's safer here. And as for me, well, I'm slowly getting used to the idea of not having her around. As I get off the bus and walk up the steps to the front door, I glance up. Today's sky is grey. The blue is still up there somewhere, I suppose, above all of those clouds, but it's hard to remember that sometimes. I listen to the sound of the leaves, feel the cold brass of the door handle, trace a finger over the wooden letters on the sign. I tell myself This is about being in the moment, feeling the sensations. But really, that's just an excuse. I don't want to face her. Not yet. Finally, I take a deep breath and go in. As always, there's a group of residents in the recreation room. I know without even looking that she won't be among them. They're tough old broads, this lot. I'd like to stop for a while, listen to them cackle with laughter as they share memories and compare battle scars. None of them ever stay here very long, just a few weeks at a time, and I have no idea who brought them here or where they go in between. I often wonder, but don't like to ask. You can tell, though, that these hearts have lived, really lived, every last one of them. I watch them for a few minutes longer, then reluctantly walk to the front desk where I give my name. One moment, the girl on reception says, squinting at her screen. Ah, yes, here we are, room 146. I silently mouth along with her, and I'm away along the corridor before she can give me directions. When I get there, I knock on the door. It's me. She knows it's me, of course. Who else would it be? 
There's no response, which isn't unusual, so I go ahead and let myself in. She's there, perched on the bed where she always is. How are you doing? I ask gently, and she shrugs. Okay, I guess. Then silence. A distant burst of laughter echoes up the corridor, and we both pretend not to have heard it. How about you? She finally inquires. Oh, I'm okay too, I say, a little too brightly. Keeping busy, you know, same old. After another moment of silence, I point to the tray of food by the side of the bed. How was lunch? She shrugs. I didn't feel like eating much. I look at her then, really look at her. She's even smaller than I remember. Not for the first time. I wonder how I could have let her end up like this. How are you really? I venture. There's a pause. Not so good, actually, she says, her voice almost a whisper. But I suppose you already know that. I flinch, because I do know. Of course I do. And the truth is I know exactly how she ended up like this. I'm just not sure how to make things better. So you're still... She nods. Same as before. Tired. Nowhere hurt specifically. It's a kind of all over pain. You know? I know. And some days are worse than others. Sometimes I feel fine and other times out of nowhere. Wham. There it is again. It just makes everything hard. I'm sorry, I say as I stare at the floor. It's not your fault, she says. It's just... Well, it's what happens sometimes, I suppose. I nod. A tacit agreement, but I don't mean it. Of course it's my fault. It was all my fault. I don't suppose you feel like getting out for a while? I ask tentatively. She looks at me then, and suddenly I wish I hadn't asked. I'm not sure I'm ready to hear the answer. She gives the same reply as always. Not yet, she says. Soon, maybe. But not just yet. I'm flooded with the familiar sensation of hopelessness tinged with relief. That's fine, I say. You get some rest. But keep checking in, she adds, almost as an afterthought. I'll let you know when I'm ready. We say our goodbyes, and as I leave, I pass back through the recreation room. The same group of residents is still there, and as one of them throws back her head and roars with laughter, I stop for a few seconds just to watch, to be in the moment. I listen to them talk, their conversations fizzing with energy, and watch them light up cigarettes and smoke them as the girl on the desk pretends not to notice. Smoking inside the building, right inside the building. That's how fearless these hearts are. I watch and listen, and I think of my own heart, timid, hiding away in that tiny cell of a room. And I know in an instant what I have to do. Down the corridor, one left turn, then another. 
My trainers squeak on the linoleum as I march purposefully across it. We're going, I say, as I storm into the room. Ready or not, it's time. I tear open first my blouse and then my chest, and before I can change my mind, I pick up my heart and shove it inside, back where it belongs. As I wipe my hands clean and button my cardigan over my torn blouse, I feel her there. She quakes and trembles, and I think I can even hear her scream, but I ignore those things. Look at the tiles, I hear my therapist say. Count them. Be in the moment. I don't count the tiles. Instead, I march back down the corridor to deal with the paperwork. As I pass the hearts in the recreation room, one of them looks up from her conversation, cigarette in hand, and our eyes meet, just for a moment. She nods, almost imperceptibly, and I smile. As I walk past, the girl on reception thrusts a bunch of forms at me, and I stop just long enough to sign them without really looking. At the front door, I wait for a fraction of a second, and then, my chest still pounding, I step outside, and we both go and wait for the bus. That was The Retirement Home. Uh, It's hard to know what to say about this story. I first began writing it uh, very late at night, uh, having drunk quite a lot of whiskey, having just had my heart terribly, horribly, awfully broken in manners I will not go into, perhaps a little bit too raw for a first podcast. Uh, Let's just say I was very heartbroken, went home, drank a lot of whiskey and decided to start writing. Neil Gaiman gives a really good speech. If you've never heard Neil Gaiman's Make Good Art speech, Google Neil Gaiman, Make Good Art, read it. It's amazing. Uh, And one of the things he talks about in that it's a commencement speech at a university, one of the things he says is when life is difficult for you, when you're going through really difficult things or hard things, use that and make good art and I had those words ringing in my ears when I got home, covered in tears, clutching this bottle of whiskey I'd bought on my way home. And I sat down and began to write a conversation between me and my heart, which I know sounds absolutely bonkers, but that's what I did. And then I put it away for about a week. I wake up the next morning still feeling very heartbroken and now also quite hungover (laughs) and looked at this document on my laptop and was frankly too scared to read it. And it was about a week before I felt able to read back what it was I'd written and I was surprised to find it wasn't quite as bad as I was expecting it to be. It wasn't brilliant by any means, but it uh, it certainly wasn't quite as bad as I thought. And it did have something in it. And it was that conversation. In fact, there were two things uh, which I took, which then became this story. 
it was that conversation, so the conversation that the narrator has with her heart uh, in the bedroom is a very distilled version of dialogue that I wrote between my heart and I and me, me it telling me how everything was hurting and me telling it how sorry I was and all those sorts of things. But the other thing I had written a little bit randomly was the bit towards the very end about marching down the corridor angrily and I didn't quite know at the time what that was all about but there was definitely somewhere deep in me that night despite the heartbreak and despite feeling that horrible feeling of never wanting to give anyone the chance to do that to your heart again. Somewhere underneath all of that there was just this fierce determination not to make this the end. It was the end of something uh, but it wasn't going to be the end of me believing in love and hope and all of those wonderful things I think. And so I took those two things from the rest of the garbage I wrote that night and boy there was some garbage and over the next few weeks and months I shaped it into what eventually became this story. I don't know if that kind of thing is useful to hear about or not. Uh, it's the kind of thing I'm always fascinated by when other people talk about it, I am very conscious that my own explanations of where these stories start and come from and how they develop may be less fascinating. Uh, do let me know. You can get in touch by email or I'm on Twitter at rawstoriespod. That's it for this week. I will see you again in exactly a fortnight's time. Have a good couple of weeks and I'll see you then for another raw story.